Welcome to the eGovernance Academy podcast to discover the future of governance. eGovernance Academy has assisted digital transformation globally in more than 130 countries. Our experts will share their insights and worldwide examples on how digital technology could benefit every society. Tune in for the Digital Government Podcast every Wednesday. Welcome to the Digital Government Podcast. I am Federico Plantera, journalist, sociologist, and researcher. And with me today, I have Seem Sikut, Chief Information Officer of the Government of Estonia and uh, one of the most notable spokespersons, let's say, of the digital transformation journey of Estonia internationally. So welcome, Seem. Thank you. Thank you, Federico. Thanks for having me. So the topic uh, today is about the trends that governments should follow in their digital transformation plans. But we will not just talk about, let's say, the, the future, but also the very recent past in the sense how Estonia has managed to ensure the delivery of public services digitally throughout the pandemic time. But this topic, the uh, the plans in digital transformations and trends and related trends is indeed at the core of the uh, of the session that team will take part in at the next e-governance conference coming coming up in May this month between May 18th and May 20th. So Seem, let's start exactly from this point. Let's start from uh, the, let's say, this rather close point to us, geographically speaking, meaning Estonia. What, how, how has Estonia coped, let's say, with the new normality? Uh, the new normality that indeed was caused by the pandemic, but that also resulted from the pandemic. So it's not like um, something that is circumstantial that is just related to this time of the past year, but that probably will also have like consequences that will last for some time. Well, it's been quite a year and, and more, hasn't it? Um, if we speak from digital government point of view, then in many ways, um, coping for us was not that much of an issue because, uh, for example, switching to remote work or, you know, having to serve citizens from a distance, that's what we have been doing anyway. So the digital services stack has been built up through the years. And so even if, uh, let's say, we had to exactly move to you know, restricted movement and stuff last year or this spring again, the public services largely still get functioning uh, like that. Uh, so you can still, you know, get everything done as an entrepreneur. You can still, you know, uh, don't have to show up to an office to get some benefits applied, whatever like that. All that kept functioning because it had been built up before. Obviously, we have had quite a learning journey when it comes to all things remote study, right? So, um, because in many ways, our schools and have been coping very well. I mean, you know, if we look from uh, you know students' point of view, it's been better than, than I guess we feared, but it's been a learning journey in terms of how to make still the best of it. And I think in that sense, unfortunately, the experience of children varies very much by school teacher and so forth, how ready they were to adapt like that. So... Uh, so we had to deal with exactly how to how to make this experience a bit more uniform across the country and make sure that you know, no child gets left behind, essentially. And the third thing I would bring out is that obviously it's been a challenge to the medical system. So it has greatly helped that we have had some good foundations in digital health area, uh, but we have had to overnight come up with new stuff to get vaccination organized or to you know cope with uh, COVID testing and build those quick integrations with the digital health record and whatever. So. You know, in digital health, uh, we've had to do quite a bit uh, overnight, literally, <laughs> or over weekend to to cope with what's happening in this specific health crisis. Okay, and uh, in in this sense, exactly about the learning journey, um, 
my question would be how difficult would you estimate or would you evaluate that it has been um in this country indeed to adapt to the situation but you already introduced a little bit of a distinction which means how the digital solutions let's say help us adapt to the situation and how we need to adapt the situ the, the digital solutions to the situation in itself but in the end it's still humans who need to Yeah. Um, let's say cope with the changed environment as for example in the case of the kids and the teachers when it comes to schooling so uh, how would you evaluate that how mm, how difficult it was indeed to adapt to the situation both from the point of view of the digital solutions and the one of humans using the digital solutions look in the end what we have seen through 20 or more years of work in in Estonian digital government and obviously you know folks listening to this know it from their countries as well uh, in the end exactly it's, it's the human part that's the hard part tech is easy tech is the same everywhere you can you know get tech solutions from vendors you can get them from another country as you know open source solutions whatever but applying them and figuring out what you need and applying them and making that change happen in terms of uptake of that tech that's the hard part so if i mentioned that you know overall estonian digital government or estonian government sorry public sector was able to function well which is because we've been you know um enriched by technology and digital tools and services for a long time but fields like uh, medicine and especially schooling still had been very traditional in their delivery you still went to see physically a doctor to get some tests done and you still went to you know actual classroom to get some lessons and stuff so so the coping there and the change there overnight has been harder because of that obviously but Obviously, as a digital enthusiast, I see it as a welcome pressure. It actually, you know, allows us to go deeper into areas we should have perhaps gone way before. Do you think in the sense there is maybe one sector that doesn't get a lot of credit, let's say, or doesn't get really mentioned often, for example, because we mentioned now schooling, but we mentioned also medicine. Do you think that there is like some other economic sector or like sector of society that is overlooked sometimes when we think about those that find it harder let's say to adapt to digital ecosystems or digital solutions and that and that indeed we have maybe overlooked in the public discourse well happy to hear your views as well but but overall i think the third sector that has been um, coping and being innovative in figuring out stuff overnight is 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 culture right so i mean which is very true to estonia at least because we very much sort of you know believe in heritage and and you know how to preserve that and so places from you know concert halls to theaters to museums have had to figure out how to somehow still keep this touch right uh, if they have to have, keep the physical doors closed so and but here I'm going to an area which is not public sector necessary or over the world right so in many cases that's a private sphere fully but for us it's a quasi government quasi private so I mean for us that's a big part of the package um, but still I would say look big picture and all um, it's been amazing what the teachers what the doctors uh, what the uh, parents and students themselves have been doing overnight so so long story short Estonia has coped well we have had some pretty quick solutions pop up that now they're taking to other countries as well we've had the startup industry come to help uh, you know Estonian edtech guys for example immediately came up with a few solutions and offered them free to the world as well so it's uh, we always try to grasp this sort of crisis as a bit of uh, you know momentum to to speed things up Seem a question on your personal experience of this time meaning how has your work specifically or like your work schedule or your activities and the ones of your team in any case how how have they been affected by uh 
all the things that have affected basically every worker in the world uh, that is involved in the service sector or in the public sector, meaning like remote work, like how have you managed that? How do you, how would you evaluate indeed also like your own personal experience in this changed uh, reality? I personally feel liberated <laughs> because uh, there's so much, uh, obviously there's no traveling that happens that I used to travel 100 days a year to all kinds of meetings and stuff around the world. Uh, it's liberating that we don't have to do that anymore. And and, uh, and the virtual events, virtual meetings, podcasts like this, right, they're being grasped that now is an opportunity to still reach out and, and achieve the same goals. Uh, I'm actually hoping that most of the meetings won't return in a physical form. It's very good to see colleagues in other countries and places, but at the same time, we have to admit that a lot of them where we just went in for, you know, half an hour talk or, you know, some quick meeting like that doesn't make sense. So I'm hoping that the meetings will return, physical traveling and meetings will return in a scale and scope that actually gives us the most value. And a lot of stuff we still will keep doing digitally like we have now, you know, first and exposure to. So my work has changed because literally we are much more present at home and, and we actually get more done. If I can hop in one day from, you know, giving a talk to New Zealand to having a meeting in Seattle and, you know, some stuff in between in Estonia and other places, that would not have been, you know, thinkable before. Technology for that was there, but we were not ready for it uh, in the way we used to think about getting business done and having meetings and events and stuff. On the second part, what we have been look, struggling with, and, and this is, this is, I think, for us, is still a learning curve. I see it in international forums. I see it in my own team, is to how to have joint brainstorming and joint ideation and joint creation happen with digital tools. It's not the issue of tools. Tools exist, but we're still mentally, I guess, sort of modifying for that. It's easy to have a meeting to, you know, synchronize to-do lists, but mm -hmm. to think together, to really create together, to bounce off each other, uh this is still what i think we're learning and and in my team because we've been sort of thinking this way that look as a ci office as a government office we have to show the way so if we can't do it no one can so we've been pushing ourselves as well we get some good results now but it's still a journey to get to that point to fully substitute physical with with uh with uh virtual exactly in that very crucial sense where we build off each other in uh, thinking co-creation mode do you think this has also been like the these type of dynamics and of work management and also goals management because of course like there are goals to, to to reach in the end have been somehow also like internalized a bit more like at large in Estonia also by for example the private sector or maybe even better by the private sector uh as a consequence let's say of the new of the new normality of the pandemic like do you think that there have that work has changed for not for good, let's say, but for quite some time in terms of these practices of meetings and brainstorming and um, managing goals, etc. I think it's still too early to say. I'm very honest here. You know, we we should literally see once the pandemic, luckily, will be at least somewhat over. Right? What happens then? Right? For example, will be meetings returning? So basically, what I would I would like to think so. What will free up our time the most, and what would really bring our productivity up, is that. If the default option is virtual and then the, uh, you know, if we see more value in meeting, then we come together. Previously, it used to be that the default option was still to meet, even if virtual uh, options were there. In Estonia, you know, Skype was born here. You know, we could have been Skyping for a long time anyway, but it wasn't used as much, for example, in a client or, or you know, a user uh, relationship. Um, 
doctors. I mean, even yeah. I mean, even if the doctor is is um, half an hour away in a hospital, right? Why do I still have to travel? Like it's a, you know still have a video session even in the time of not pandemic, right? It will still save me time. So I'm hoping that in that sense the switch has happened, but it might be still too early to tell. I think in that sense, year is not that long enough yet in a way. Yeah, a year is definitely like not enough to determine, let's say, some lasting change. But at the same time, we saw how uh, certain digital solutions adopted by the public sector can indeed also help with some of the, uh, I don't know, longstanding problems of last mile delivery of certain public yeah. services. Oh, yeah. No, no. And I mean, what happened in Estonia as well is that the uh, overnight that some solutions that people had been talking and dreaming, dreaming about were taken from the drawer or shelf, right? So case in point, remote meetings with a doctor or remote remote appointments, the fact that you now could not do them physically meant that they actually they just opted for a solution that had been, you know, prototype piloted for a long time before, but just was not used for other reasons of habit and, and so forth. So, so that's what I mean, that I'm hoping that these changes will stick, but it will come down to, I think, a very conscious choice of ours as well to say that, look, I mean, uh, to take a few steps back once we can and say hey what was the valuable stuff we keep if we just you know unconsciously it will not stick it takes a conscious effort and this is what we have seen in, in the digital journey of estonia is that look in the end digitization is a conscious choice of somehow doing better doing different doing being more effective mm -hmm. and it's also a choice that is often determined by certain uh, conditions of need and necessity in any case oh, yeah. which we saw during the pandemic also like not only in estonia but indeed in almost uh, every country uh, affected by the pandemic and every country has been affected by by COVID-19 but then let's talk a little bit about the about indeed like the um, the delivery of public services because if you were to pinpoint some of the factors that um, that helped Estonia continue to deliver these public services and you were to maybe select one from a technical or technological point of view and one from an organizational point of view and the human also perspective, which ones would you say that have been the strongest determinants, let's say, in uh, in Estonia's case to to indeed keep delivering the public services? When we speak about public services in a sense of interactions with the government, what we have yeah. been so, you know, things like reports, applications, stuff like that. Well, the, the, well, the biggest determinant has been that, look, for us, they were digital anyway. So they were actually functioning digitally anyway, right? So um, queuing at least to get, you know, a, I don't know, documents submitted to an office was not happening in person in Estonia anymore. So so basically that's the threshold was very ready for that. And I think that's the organizational change is that so, you know, again, that's what the agencies already had been adapted to. I mean, that was, that's why that was a no-brainer. We didn't really have to change anything for that. We just, you know, kept doing the back end differently in, in, you know, from home office as opposed to an actual office. So if that makes sense, if I speak from technical point of view, technological point of view, what has allowed this to happen? It's the classical stuff uh, we always talk about, digital identity, for example. It would not be possible if we did not have a chance to securely log in and securely sign stuff, right? So that's what allows all of this to happen. Um, or second point, I mean, why we have been able to digitize so much again, next road, which is a classic Estonian pillar or building block, right? So it's, it's the same the story repeats itself again in, in this current pandemic in that sense. From a human point of view, <clears throat> um, obviously, the sort of 
willingness and, and having no fear of technology has helped, right? I mean, we have always had a lack of uh, leadership and, and, and officials and, you know, willing to take a few chances, try things out, experiment and risk. And so, you know, in that sense, that has also led that even if we have now had to do stuff overnight, well, it's a, let's say we approach it as a problem to be solved as opposed to an obstacle. <laughs> mm -hmm. And on this point, actually, I will just play the devil's advocate for a moment, because I would yeah. assume that um, people are like public servants, let's say, from uh, governments, uh, maybe, for example, from Western Europe or countries which historically had more of a legacy in the way that services and the delivery of public services was organized, they probably would say that... Uh, that indeed like maybe the technological part could be easy but maybe there is also like indeed this human and organizational part of the process of, of the related to the process and the people driving the process that might be harder to manage and to and to adapt in the situation of a pandemic so from this perspective do you think that the technological solutions should rather go also a bit more in the direction let's say of the public servants and help them and not and not be user friendly let's say only let for the for the public but also for the uh the people working in government or already in estonia there was a certain uh knowledge let's say in a certain level of digital skills that did not really require easing even more let's say the usability of the digital solutions for public sector employees to use them and keep them at work basically well the skill base clearly has been there otherwise um the digitization level would not have been possible but i mean i would answer a bit differently because in in my view the future is actually quite different at all right i mean in my view what we now think about sort of usability will be quite different anyways because what we're building out in estonia at least is to make services happen more or less invisibly meaning automatically in the back end as much as we can so in that sense, the usability becomes a totally different question. It's not the question that I have a place to go and log in somewhere online or in an app or whatever. Actually, stuff will just proactively happen in the back end for me. And it's the same thing from public sector employees' point of view. They don't need to somehow go in, do something, right? They just rather sort of, you know, get the reports and oversights and, you know, they intervene if something is unusual, wrong or you know, extraordinary like that. Stuff should happen automatically if we can. So case in point, what we're building out now is that so if my child is born or uh, you know why do i need to go to different online sites and submit some applications and stuff i mean you know actually the government automatically could proactively approach me itself through an email generated by the machine saying hey thanks for the new citizen why can we do that because we know from hospital entry that um, the child was born and to, the, to a particular parent so why do we wait for you to come to us and even no official needs to intervene. The fact that the child was born is quite easy. It's a one and zero. Yes, no. <laughs> so, so my point about the usability of the future, and that has nothing to do with pandemic, is that we have been on the on the way to the sort of invisible services. And in that sense, the skilling, the sort of effect and everything on on uh, on users, whether in the back end, meaning the officials, or in the front end, meaning the you know citizens and entrepreneurs, you know, becomes so much easier even. So it's, you know, if stuff happens for me proactively, I don't need to intervene much at all. Skills are not that an issue. And my last point on this, but it takes a specific skill, I think, that all of us, at least sort of my colleagues around the world are finding hard, is uh, it takes the skills of the service owners in public sector to design things in this way and to make them invisible. And it's the process design skills, the digital awareness and, and digital leadership that needs to be in place for this to happen. 
Mm -hmm. Okay, and stemming indeed from this last point, I will ask you also the last question for today's episode of the podcast, which is, so this proactive governance uh, approach is also indeed one of the trends that are driving at the moment the digital development projects or goals of the of the government in Estonia. This has also to introduce the general topic that would be wider in scope at the, at the governance conference. Yes, exactly it is. And, and, and there's the thinking there is very simple. The best user experience is the one where people, government doesn't bother people. <laughs> we, we intervene if we are asked to intervene, if exactly there's something to, you know, take an extra look in or if a user, the citizen wants us to intervene, for example, to get advice or whatever. And for us, it goes even further. I mean, we are imagining it this way that, um, look, the, the future interface is not a web or an app or whatever. The future interface is the virtual assistant in your phone, fridge, car, whatever. And so the more uh, we should be able to build in these interactions happen based on bots in an automatic sort of exchange in the back end of stuff. So in a in a very complicated way, what I'm trying to say, I think we in Estonia, we are on a sort of bigger change or reform, hopefully, in terms of usability of stuff. It will happen because we need to do exactly we rely on sort of new aspects of tech and a lot of process redesign. And and again, that was happening even before pandemic. But pandemic gives us even more kick in addition because uh, in times of remote work study, the people want even less to be bothered with the government. <laughs> so the, the same drive we had before is even strengthened. Perfect. And uh, to hear more for all our listeners, to hear more from Seam and also to hear more about the topic of what are the trends that the government should follow in their digital transformation plans, don't forget to go to 2021.egovconference.ee to register to the upcoming e-governance conference, which will have indeed a digital decade in one year as the as the overarching topic and then a number of other subtopics. And it's happening between May 18th, May 20th, entirely online. So but Seem, thanks a lot for participating in today's episode of the podcast. Thank you so much and sort of so-called see you at the conference. <laughs> yes, exactly. The quotation marks, see you all at the conference. Bye also from your host Federico and tune in to, your, to the next episode of the Digital Government Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by eGovernance Academy. Tune in on next Wednesday.